Hello and welcome to the Combat and Classics Podcast. This is Brian Wilson in Dallas, Texas. Shiloh Brooks at the University of Colorado in Boulder. And Jeff Black at St. John's College in Annapolis, Maryland. We are back with book 16 of the Iliad. Uh, I'm going to do a bad summary, and then Jeff is going to ask a good opening question. <laughs> um, we left off, there was some battle stuff. Uh, Zeus and Hera were kind of doing some Zeus and Hera stuff. Um, the Trojans are in the Greek camp. They are trying to set the ships on fire. Uh, and we left Patroclus a couple of books ago in the medical tent, helping out, uh, after he saw a bunch of Greeks get wounded. Um, and he starts crying because uh, of all the turmoil and all of the carnage around him. And he goes to find Achilles. And it's Achilles... Uh, Homer describes Achilles as pitying him, but then it seems like Achilles is kind of chiding him for crying. Uh, Patroclus pitches uh, putting on Achilles' armor, which was kind of implanted in Patroclus' head by Nestor a few, a few books ago. Um, Achilles agrees to this. Patroclus goes out, leads a counterattack. It's fairly successful, pushes the Trojans back. Um, but then Apollo shows up and strikes Patroclus in the back, kind of stunning him. Uh, his armor magically falls off. Achilles' armor magically falls off. And Patroclus gets killed. Um, we get two uh, kind of... 80s action movies, uh, Death Lines, one from Sarpedon, and uh, who's Zeus's uh, son, and one from Patroclus, where they're lying, uh, almost dying, they do a good line, and then expire. Um, so yeah, uh, that's book 16, and over to you, Jeff, for an opening question. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Yeah, that's a good summary. There's so much in this book. It's an embarrassment of riches. So I'm just going to ask about the beginning. Um, because this really bothers me. Uh, so like you said, Patroclus comes weeping to Achilles, and Achilles asks him, what's up? And it turns out that Patroclus is upset because so many Greeks have been wounded, so many Greeks are dying. Um, and the thing that puzzles me about this is um, that, you know, Patroclus wonders why Achilles um, hasn't entered into the fighting. And he alleges that Achilles is pitiless, um, that he's not human. Uh, he's the offspring of the gray sea and the sheer cliffs, and his mind is unbending. Uh, but that turns out that that's not entirely true. Achilles says, actually, I've changed my mind. Um, I wasn't going to be filled with ceaseless wrath. I'm still angry at Agamemnon. That's why uh, I haven't joined the fighting yet but uh, this is not going to be permanent. Um, Patroclus also wonders whether Achilles is abstaining from the fight because he's heard of some oracle, or he's heard something from his mother that says, don't fight, you're going to get killed. Right? Don't fight, there'll be some terrible consequence. And Achilles says, no, I haven't heard anything like that. So when, it, when Patroclus initially pitches the idea of putting on Achilles' armor, it's in the place of the possibility that Achilles will return himself in his armor. And Patroclus says, well, if, if you can't do it, then at least let me go in, in your armor. Achilles says, no, I can do it. So here, you go in my armor. <laughs> and I haven't the slightest idea, well, I have a slight idea, but I'm really <laughs> puzzled why. Why does Achilles go ahead with this plan to send Patroclus out when it looks like 
Achilles is in principle ready to return. I mean, it lends itself to one of those deals where I don't want to say no downside, but limited downside for you. You know, the upside is he's made, you know, Achilles has made it very clear he's not coming back, right? Um, now he's made it somewhat clear, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, if we think back to the embassy, he gave us three different answers, right? It's three different answers on when he would return. It's like, mm-hmm. no, I'm leaving tomorrow. Um, I'd, I'll... F- I'll fight when they get to the ships uh, and then I'll sleep on it, I think was was the three different answers. Am I summarizing those correctly from the oh, I, th- I think the last one was I'll fight uh, once they're around my huts and when the ships are burning. Okay. Right. Um, so he's been a little, you know, flexible on mm-hmm. what his terms are. Uh, but yeah, I'm just, I'm thinking like, you know, if you're going to make a bet and there's a very limited downside and a pretty big upside and you can be like i i did this i i sat here on my butt and drank some wine while you know but i i gave him the armor so really it's i did this I, it's basically me um so very low risk potential for high reward um but you have to assume that there's low risk because achilles thinks that just his armor appearing um and him giving Patroclus some some terms and conditions, right? It's like, mm-hmm. click here, you're not going to go too far, and you're not going to do too much, and just going to kind of show up and hang around a little bit, but don't get too crazy. And he thinks Patroclus is going to listen, and nothing bad's going to happen. Or the likelihood of nothing bad happening um, is fairly low. So that's, I mean, that's the only thing I can, that, that just comes to mind initially. I don't know, Shiloh, do you, you got any thoughts on no, that? No, it's a hard question. Yeah, it's tricky because you have to understand the mind of Achilles, right? And I, I, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't. Mm-hmm. Like he is, he, he he showed some of that. Like you're the you know son of the cliffs and the and the the wind or something like that. Is there? I don't know. This is probably a stretch, but Jeff, in the last podcast, you compared Achilles to Zeus, and one of the things that we talked about was Zeus's smile mm-hmm. of superiority. You know. He knows Zeus knows the other gods better than they know themselves, insofar as Zeus is aware of his exceeding power at moments when they seem not to be aware and therefore try to deceive him. And I just noticed that this is a moment where I don't know that Achilles smiles, but he seems all powerful the way mm-hmm. Zeus does. And you have then another character who's doing something that's sort of adorable. I mean, you know, you're not Achilles, man, like, not even close. No one is. And, and yet Achilles, um, you know, I, you, you, you have to wonder if he sort of inside is like, you know, put on my armor, kid. Go out there. It'll be, it'll be fun. But he, he does tell him, don't go, don't go past the ships. Like, mm-hmm. beat them pa- past the ships and then come on back. Like, it's, it's, right. it's like you would do with your son. Yeah, you can take the car out and you can just drive, you know, drive it around the neighborhood. Don't, don't get on the freeway. Just drive it around the neighborhood. And then and it'll be great. And you're 15 and it's awesome. And take it to your friend's house and show it to him. And then come on back. And then your kid actually goes like on the interstate down to like, you know, Times Square in the cars, you know, or something like that. And so it just mm-hmm. seems to me that there's this notion of superiority and this affection for the limits of this other person 
the way Zeus seems to ha sort of have a genuine affection for the limits of the fellow gods, only in this case, um, things go, go awry. And I don't know, Jeff, yeah. you may think, I mean, it seems to me that given what a shifty man you are, you might <laughs> think that Achilles knew, Achilles knew that Patroclus was going to go to the front lines of the Troy and all these sorts of things. And he's putting it, you know, I can't imagine yeah, yeah. what sort of theory you have. But you No, know, that's, that's just... the sort of thing I would say, but it's not <laughs> yeah. actually what I believe in this case. No, you, you know me quite well. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. so anyway, that, that's the only thing I think of is that his emotional cosmos has to be in some way similar to Zeus's. Yeah. Anyway. Well, okay, so let me suggest this. Uh, it's a slight modification. We'll take the Zeus chassis as the basis of our build <laughs> here, right? So here's a, a, a human being who feels a great deal of inequality with the other human beings around him, right? A great deal of superiority to the other human beings around him. And that might explain the odd tone of his initial response to Patroclus as if, you know, he, he, he suspects that Patroclus might be crying about the Greeks, but he's not sure. Maybe some bad news has come from back home, like maybe Patroclus' father is dead, right? Or Achilles' father is dead. Um, and I, I tend to want to link that to the speech Achilles gives the Myrmidons when he's getting them formed up for battle. They're going to go out with Patroclus. And he basically says, I know you guys have been whining about me, right? When I'm not around, you're saying, oh, I won't let you fight. Well, you want to fight, so fight right? Fight now. And this really rouses them, right? It's an excellent speech in some respect, right? Because it, it draws on their shame. But one of the things it alerts us to is that Achilles knows that the other people around him um, are not able to pursue the course that he's set on pursuing, that they resent him for putting them on that course. And it might be that Patroclus does too. And so I wonder if Achilles doesn't have a more complicated attitude towards his superiority than Zeus does. Um, and he's not as much able to smile about it. Um, and here's one um, piece of textual evidence. So um, on the one hand, uh, Achilles wants Patroclus to prove that Patroclus can fight without Achilles being there. He wants him to prove that to Hector. And by the way, he thinks that Patroclus can prove that to Hector without pursuing Hector beyond the ships, right? In other words, consistent with the limitation that Shiloh mentioned, right? Which to me sounds a little iffy already. Um, uh, but it is important, I think, to Achilles that Patroclus be seen as Achilles adjacent or, you know, in the, in the neighborhood of Achilles, Achilles worthy. Why? Well, he's got this thing that he um, imagines around line 100, um, he says to three of the gods, Zeus, Athena, and Apollo, that he wishes that all the Trojans were dead and that all the Argives, all the Greeks, were dead and that only him and Patroclus remained alive and that they could then go and, and sack Troy themselves. And so here's my thought, and tell me what you think about this. It's kind of a terrible thought, so maybe this fits with me being a wily guy. Um, <laughs> Achilles is not, no longer satisfied with the thought that the Greeks need to regret treating him badly and they're going to learn their lesson. He wants them all dead. I think that includes the Myrmidons. He wants all the um, Trojans dead. The only question is, does he want Patroclus dead? And that hinges entirely on the question of whether Patroclus 
can have some independence from Achilles, whether he's Achilles adjacent. In other words, whether the inequality between them is not the same as the inequality between Achilles and all these other people. Um, and th that's why there's this experiment. That's why he sends out this weird Patroclus um, Achilles hybrid that he creates, such that Sarpedon says, who is that guy? Right? It's not clear that the Trojans believe that that's Achilles. Uh, it's some mixture. And Achilles wants to know, is, is that guy that I sent out, is he worthy of surviving the Holocaust I'm envisioning? So what do you think? <laughs> I mean, it's... I, I'm... I'm people, people are a mixed bag, right? Like when we talk about humans. <laughs> yeah. You know, I was having a conversation with somebody um, last week just about, you know, toxic personality traits and how, you know, even like super toxic people are only about 56% toxic, right? Like there's still, there's still like 44% where they're, you know, normal most of the time. Um, and I, I, so I jumped to like Odysseus is the hero of the Odyssey, right? Like he's kind of related uh, by Homer in a lot of ways as a hero, right? Um, but he does all this really shitty stuff, you mm -hmm. know? And it's and and the first time you read it, you just kind of go, oh man, Odysseus is cool. And I feel like it's the same with Iliad. Like, oh man, Achilles is cool. But then you get these nuggets like, Achilles wants everybody dead, you know? Or Odysseus just slaughters like all these people who might have just been like getting a free lunch, you know? Um, and it kind of takes a beat for you to go, huh, maybe this, maybe this guy isn't that great. You know, maybe that guy isn't as, uh, heroic as we want to think he is. Mm -hmm. Um, so, I mean, Homer is certainly dropping that in here. Um, and, and it's, it's something that's hard to, um, keep in the front of your mind because this was his prayer, um, when Briseis was taken from him, right? Mm -hmm. It was like, I want all the Greeks to die, you know, right. because of what Agamemnon did. And, I, you know, it's just me. I don't want to take, I don't want to, I don't want to start talking politics, guys, but that seems kind of shitty. Like, <laughs> you know, I don't want to take a side on this, but it seems kind of not cool to be like, I hope everybody dies because this girl got taken from me. Isn't Patroclus on to that? I mean, isn't, I mean, I guess there's evidence, maybe, Jeff, for what you say, insofar as Patroclus at the beginning says, um, but you, Achilles, who can do anything with you? May no such anger take me as that you cherish. Cursed courage. What other man born hereafter shall be advantaged unless you beat aside from the Argives' shameful destruction, etc.? So he seems to say, um, you know, you may no such anger take me as that you cherish. Like, you're crazy. Like, this is crazy. Can't you mm -hmm. see? They're, they're right here. And so I wonder if you, if you sort of read that properly, if you don't get Patroclus saying to him, you know, you're a, you're a, you're a maniac. You're, you're sick. You know, this is just <laughs> sick. Mm -hmm. And uh, that would, I, I suspect, be gesture in the direction you and Brian are going with, with Achilles. Even, mm -hmm. But it's odd, even Patroclus... Um, Mm -hmm. sees that and maybe it's taken him the longest given their affection for one another but yeah 
Yeah, and I, I don't mean to suggest that this is the whole of Achilles' thought. I think he really is confused and torn, right? He's also, the, the firing of the ships is so much of an issue for him precisely because he does not want the homecoming of the Greeks to be made impossible. Well, the homecoming of which Greeks, right? I mean, is he content to have one ship? Will two people row it? I mean, what, <laughs> you know, what exactly is he envisioning? But he's got this problem, I think, which is a very serious one to my mind, um, he wants to teach the Greeks a lesson. If he rescues them short of death, they'll learn the wrong lesson, I think. Right? Which is that, you know, you can wrong somebody and they'll show up at the last minute and save you nonetheless. Right? And admittedly, there are a number of, of dead uh, Greeks who are not going to be saved nonetheless by Achilles showing up late. Right? But I think Achilles, you know, he, he doesn't want to do something that is going to deprive them of the opportunity of learning. Uh, and, and this is a problem. Yeah, why does he think that it takes this much for them to learn? I, I, that's not self-evident to me. Like, it's not, it's not self-evident that, that Achilles, that they have to die um, to have justice done, you know, or something like that. I don't know where he... I mean, it seems to me there's any, any number of... Um, of alternative positions that one could take, such as they need to have the fire right there, you know, and get a little warm, and then you know, and then they'll learn. I would learn. I'd be like, all right, you know, I'd 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 be happy that he came back and saved us, and I'd say, whatever you need, man. Sorry for taking your girl. Like we're good, we're good. So I don't know why, in his view, death is the only solution. This seems to me to, be, in other words, to be a perverse view. Um, of what justice would require, certainly an, an immoderate one, not not surprising given Achilles' character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I guess uh, the only thought I have about that difficulty, which I think is a real difficulty, is um, if you think maybe of some stuff we read together from the Anabasis, right, where Xenophon, you know, he needs to persuade people of the importance, say, of the army staying together and not going out and foraging parties, and it turns out that somebody doesn't believe him and goes out and forages and gets killed. Right. Well, the other um, parts of the army will very much want to stick together after that because they say, well, that could have been me. Right. Achilles is dealing with Agamemnon and the other Greek rulers, especially. And so I don't know how much he thinks that um, the death of some of the Greek soldiers or maybe even some of the relatively prominent Greeks is sufficient to persuade the rulers that they were wrong, especially if the the M.O. of a ruler generally, this is what he alleges, is you use up your fighters, right? You just basically consume them, they die, and you get the glory and the, and the profit. So, you know, um, what, what degree of loss of, of uh, people is necessary to convince a ruler that you shouldn't use people up this way when that's the way they operate, according to Achilles? Well, that seems to me a, a harder problem. Um, I don't know that it justifies the, um, the total killing wish, but that total killing wish is in there, I think, because of something like this difficulty. Yeah, it also, I mean, I don't like it just because it throws my whole, you know, Achilles just wants to be in charge um, hypothesis out the window. He doesn't, he doesn't want to be in charge. He doesn't care about being in charge. He just wants everybody mm -hmm. dead except him and Patroclus. Mm -hmm. um, and the question that springs to mind is like, what kind of person wants that? Who is the type of person that risks his own friend's life uh, in the hopes of 
everyone dying but him and his friend. I mean, you can certainly see why Socrates would be a critic. I mean, this is like the moment where in the Republic, you can be, you can be, well, here's the moment where the criticism of Homer becomes justified if Glaucon has the alternative of becoming this way or that way. Um, we need to criticize the poets. I mean, you know, I'm just trying to think of the kind of notion of justice that this inculcates in the hearers of the poem, the desirability for Achilles to, I mean, I, it's unclear to me what one would think, uh, what a listener would think. I mean, are the listeners at this point, is Homer expecting the listener to cheer for Achilles and say, let them all die. This guy's such a badass, <laughs> you know, let them all die. Or is he expecting the listeners to criticize Achilles and say, you know, the way Patroclus does, uh, I can't even envision such an anger uh, consuming you. And it seems to me as though Plato has some fear that the listeners are going to sympathize with him or his ilk. Um, I don't know that, that that's not so clear to me either, by the way. That's why I posed the question of what, what Homer may have expected. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think the flip side of this difficulty is... Um, when the preeminent human being goes looking around for a friend, right? Uh, it seems like they need to test the friend for their worthiness to be a witness, for example, to their heroism, to be a partner or something like that. And that kind of testing looks like it's, it's a very dangerous operation. Um, it's not entirely consistent, right? You get this weird instruction of you have to... Um, contribute to my glory, not detract from it. You have to earn glory for yourself. You have to show Hector that you can um, wage war on your own without me, but don't wage war on your own without me. <laughs> you know, come back, don't go too far. Um, so it looks like Achilles is really trying hard to find the sweet spot where Patroclus gets an exemption. Um, and maybe he cares about being seen in his activity. Maybe he just can't really envision being a solitary um, hero, that, that phrase might not even make sense. But that's the flip side of this difficulty. On the one hand, this very callous, inhuman attitude towards other, other human beings who don't measure up. And on the other hand, um, human beings who do come close to measuring up some dangerous procedures with regard to them. And it's not just the flip side, it's a contradiction. The two mm -hmm. things are, are in tension and he doesn't seem to understand they're inconsistent, you know, on, on principle. It also seems, I mean, it seems a little out of place, right? This is the same guy that's like, hey, Phoenix, no, you can stick around, spend the night, hang out, you know? He's going to let Phoenix die? Yeah. He seems so nice, you know? He, like, taught Achilles how to ride a horse. And he's going to be like, no, you can die, too. Yeah. So, I mean, is it, I mean, is Achilles just wrong about himself, you know, when he, when he, because I think you said, where was the line, Jeff, where he's telling Patroclus, like, um, you know, don't worry about that beef between me and Agamemnon. Um, you know, it's that. Mm -hmm. It's around 60. Um, uh, just after he goes in a very detailed um, attack on Agamemnon, he says, but these things will we let be as past and done. Right. Let's let's regard these things as past and done. In no way it seems was I to be filled with ceaseless wrath at heart. To be sure, I said that I would not sooner make an end of my anger, but only when to my own ships came the war cry and the battle. Right. So I remember I had a standard. That's a finite standard. It's been reached. You put on the armor. Right. It's just for me. It's just a mind-boggling 
virtual non sequitur, except that Patroclus has suggested it. Yeah, it's. Um, I mean, what's what's the word to describe this? Not not scatterbrained, not um, <sighs> tempestuous. Um, yeah, definitely unreasonable, right? But mm-hmm. yeah, mercurial. Maybe mercurial, right? In the sense that it's yeah. a turn on a dime. But somehow, to say that like one. to Patroclus, yeah. and then the next page say, "Hey Zeus and Athena." And Apollo, you know, it'd be really cool is if everybody was dead except for me and Patroclus. So to say, like, I'm not, I'm not, no, I mean, I'm not the anger thing. Don't worry about it. Um, and then to wish everyone dead and like the Richard the Third soliloquy, you know, to the audience. Yeah, it's either he doesn't know himself or he's or he's lying. You know, he's hiding this part of himself. Um, he's manipulating Patroclus. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you're, I think you're, you're, you're right to bring this to our attention because this complexity is, um, it's tricky to, it's tricky to grasp. You build up these kind of ideas of these characters. I, I mean, I also don't like it because it makes Agamemnon seem like a better leader than Achilles, you know, like at least mm-hmm. I don't think Agamemnon's going <laughs> to, I, yeah, I know. Here you go again. I don't, I, I don't like that. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I think you do. I think you but do. Like, it's, it's just like, well, at least at least Agamemnon's like, you know, twice now been like, hey, should we should we leave? Should we just we should probably just leave, right? And then he's gonna get talked out of it. So like, and then he listens. You know, he kind of listens to people. He's like, oh yeah, no, I was just kidding. Or oh, yeah, that makes sense. And Achilles is both not listening. Mm-hmm. and lying to like the one person that stuck by him through all this drama uh man mm-hmm. not a not a cool move achilles maybe just one more thought we spent a little time talking about possible parallels between um zeus and achilles and one of the details you mentioned from this book brian is that um sarpedon zeus's son is sacrificed by Zeus. Zeus weighs in his mind whether or not he wants to save him. He contents himself with saving Sarpedon's body but allowing him to be killed. Um, as, a, as a way, I think, of indicating uh, that he, he too is willing to um, suffer for the sake of ca- carrying out his own will, right? That this is part of the cost he's willing to pay. And it's just interesting to think, well, you know, is it really that much of a cost to Zeus that one of his... Uh, mortal sons uh, dies um, and you know is there something of uh, Zeus's attitude towards Sarpedon in Achilles attitude towards Patroclus dear to me but not like me I would say there's also something about you know Achilles th- this book for me makes it more clear that Achilles doesn't understand himself because mm-hmm. what's going to happen is like the will of Nestor and Odysseus. It's going to go down exactly how they like kind of planned it, um, which is Achilles is going to return to the fight after Patroclus dies. And uh, yeah, and that just seems wild to me because if your wish is, all right, I'll send you out to save the Greeks, and that doesn't work. Uh, and then you're basically left with, okay, well, I guess I got to go fight. Like you, man, you're bad at planning. You're bad at planning and you're bad at knowing what you'll do 
in certain circumstances. So you're just, you're mercurial. You're just going to shoot from the hip all the time. Um, yeah, which is not ideal in a leader. Oh, don't give me the last word. You guys are both smarter than... <laughs> I think leader is the last word we've uh, reached. Right, we'll call it a day on that. All right, thanks a lot, guys. Uh, book 16, complete, uh, in Homer's Iliad. Combat and Classics at gmail.com at the socials at Combat and Classics. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, you can also check out our website, combatclassics.org. Rate us on iTunes. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Shiloh. Uh, we'll, we'll see you guys next time. Thank you.